1: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and him, Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire, who I actually saw in person yesterday, sort of, for a Zoom chat. (laughs) Uh, It was a lovely Zoom chat, despite... Is openly provocative wearing of a Brighton shirt. And for some reason, Kieran, I woke up this morning thinking, I must apply for an American Express card. <laughs> mm. uh, which which made Ali laugh a lot. Ali said, you do don't ask the one you, you have to pay back every month, and you you?" So, oh, I'll go. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Newsday, Kieran. It was lovely to see you yesterday. Um, it was great, yes. We were dis- discussing plans with somebody who I think was producer guy.
0: And hard, You've
1: never seen him, have you? No, I have either. He, he blacks his face out. They do what he used to do to Jerry Adams back in the old days. He changes <laughs> change his voice and disguises his face so we don't know who he is. Um, Newsday, Kieran. Um, the first one is um, unfortunately topical. I suppose most news stories are. but uh, This one is the Premier League and the EFL are cancelling their broadcast contracts
0: in Russia. So who are those contracts with, Kieran, and what are the financial ramifications? Well they are they are with some of the major state broadcasters uh, unfortunately uh, in Russia, everything is now controlled by the state uh, as we have seen that uh, independent journalism has effectively been closed down over the course of the last seven days. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of the value of these contracts they're they're not huge we're well, certainly not huge from from the Premier League's point of view it's It's eight million pounds a year. Uh, yeah, that contrasts with sort of you know, five hundred million pounds you'll be picking up from Scandinavia and and the, and the new US deal is fantastic. So so the Premier League can uh, can take it, but the, you know, clearly they've they've made a uh, they've made that decision uh, on on the back of talking to two club owners at a, at, a re- at a recent meeting. Um, the EFL deal again. This isn't a criticism of the EFL, but there's not a lot of interest in in Barnsley versus Luton in Russia. Mm. So it it, it wasn't a lucrative deal to begin with, but I I think the the, the EFL have have made their decision, uh, and and we fully understand the reasons why that is the case. Um, I I think this is just football uh, has uh, has clearly decided that it doesn't want to give any form of solace to uh, Vladimir Putin's regime uh yeah you know, if it and if by providing entertainment that's doing it then then they've they've decided to cut off the uh, cut off the pipes yeah it, it it's a big debate in the
1: entertainment world as well it's interesting as yes, i'm i'm accompanying a friend in a few weeks time to see swan lake and they announced yesterday that the russian conductor is no longer welcome but as she pointed out it's by tchaikovsky mm. so it's 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 i feel I think it's absolutely right what the Premier League and the EFL have done in this occasion, but I, I do feel genuinely sorry for some of the Russian individuals who are opposed to this war, who are who are being punished as well. Putin, Putin won't give a flying monkeys whether a, a, a Russian conductor's not conducting at Covent Garden or not. Um, it's mm. just it's not it's not going to stop and, until he stops. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> and I. I didn't think I'd be reading this one out so quickly, Kieran,
0: but European Super
1: League proposals could be about to make a comeback.
0: Yes. um, At the Financial Times uh, football business conference last week, which which always gets some fantastic big hitters, they managed to have both uh, Severin, who's the head of UEFA, and uh, Andrea Agnelli who is uh, is Juventus's uh, owner in, in effect um and also one of the architects of um Super League i think I think Severin is godfather to one of Agnelli's children so you know there's there, there is a fantastic soap opera to be written on the basis of this um uh, Severin's calling Agnelli a snake um for the way that he conducted himself during the uh the, the initial uh the, the initial version of uh super league but uh and yet he says it's a wonderful idea if you know that the uh the clubs have all signed up to it nobody's actually you know no longer a shareholder in, in the super league company and uh he says it, it's, it's gonna be the savior of football um now what, what exactly are, are the proposals? Yeah, they're saying now that it, it won't be guaranteed participation for the clubs. And I think that was one of the things which upset people. But if if it does go through, it will have such a negative impact upon the domestic game because um, the people behind Super League wanted to reduce the, the Premier League to, to 18 teams, potentially 16 teams if yeah. it really got their way. And, it would give the, the the clubs who are participating even if it's on merit such a financial advantage because if you're now you know if you, if, if let's face it, you know we we support brighton and palace we we know we ain't going to be in the super league uh, you know but we're more than happy but yeah you know, I, I get to see get to see my team play 38 matches a season mm. um, now in order to appease um, an italian billionaire um, we're going to see four fewer fixtures i'm going well okay what What's in it for us and also what's in it for those clubs who who do have sort of owners who are perhaps willing to to, to bankroll their clubs to the next level? You know, and We're not making value judgments here, but that's the intention at Villa, at, uh, at Newcastle, potentially with SF49ers, you know, West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're going to lose uh, two home matches as well. Uh, and therefore, they're gonna, going to have less income, which means... Trying to keep up with the Joneses, who are the the people who are in the uh, Super League, is is going to be financially impossible, especially in a, in a financial fair play environment. So it might not formally be a closed shop, but it will be a closed shop because they'll just make it impossible impossible to compete financially. Um, the the argument put forward by Anjeli is that uh, UEFA is both a competition organizer. And organises the sort of the finances of the game and distributes the money and so on. Hmm. Um, and I think it was interesting. Steve Parish spoke at the the conference as well, and uh, he he was effectively, um, saying that uh, UEFA and the Super League are are one, one. One's just got a slightly better public relations uh, image, <laughs> yeah. um, in, in the sense that. Uh, you know, it, it looks as if we could have this this crazy situation where there's six clubs from the Premier League competing in the Champions League, and let's face it, I think we know who those six clubs are going to be. Mm. Um, and, and then, you know, as I said before, it, it just becomes reinforced the the financial benefits of being in the Champions League are so significant that uh, in order to compete for for transfers and wages, it it makes it very difficult.
1: Uh, Kieran, talking, this is an extraneous news item. Are you happy with me throwing something in for you to improv here? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's just you mentioned the Financial Times and you mentioned Steve Parrish and the Financial Times last night reporting that Josh Harris, who's one of the minority Mm -hmm. owners at Palace, is potentially preparing a bid for Chelsea. Um, yep. uh, he's a very wealthy man I didn't realise he was quite in that league but he's very wealthy that, presumably that means if he were to successfully take control of Chelsea he would have to I think the Financial Times used the word divest himself of any interest in Palace as well
0: yeah I, th- I think that I, I will check the small print of the Premier League handbook which which yeah, you know, I do quite on a regular basis as you can imagine with given the excitement of my life Um <laughs> But uh, I, I think you cannot own 10% in one club and have a controlling interest right. in another. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it looks like he'd probably have to sell his shares. There's also talk about uh, Jamie Rubin, who owns 10% of Newcastle, oh. being one of the interested parties in in Chelsea as well. And there's there's lots of people throwing their hats in the ring. Um, via newspapers, you know, and, and as we as we've known historically, there's you know there's there's talking the talk and walking the walk, and, and there's there's a long long difference in between those, especially that Chelsea realistically is going to cost. Yeah, you know, I estimate in the region of one point five to two billion, and then on top of that, you, you've got the stadium issue for another billion. So it, it's it's not going to be a cheap option, which will restrict the number of people involved. There's supposed to be a Turkish billionaire uh, can, can, uh, interested as well. So, uh, yeah, yeah it's, this story is going to run and run. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I expect, I expect it might appear on the pod on a few more occasions over the course of the summer. Who, Josh Harris or the St- story? Oh, it's, 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 yeah, Chelsea, sorry. Yes. Yeah, it, it's, it's. I think
1: one or two journalists have definitely been listening to the pod because quite a few uh, news outlets have been reporting your um, your theory – from a week ago, that this it would cost another billion pound and ten years to sort out any legal issues and the rebuilding of Stanford Bridge. So, it's I, I find it difficult to understand what's in it because the broadcasting deal isn't going to get that much better. Mm-hmm. You think over the next ten years? So, what's in it for U.S. investors? Is it just owning the
0: kudos of owning a club that might be in the European Super League? If if, if they are private equity investors, then no. Uh, they are purely in it from from a monetary point of view. If if you take a look at you know how often do the Glazers attend Old Trafford and mm. how often has um, John Henry been to watch matches at Anfield and so on. So so the, these people are are uh, yeah. They're, first of all, they they they're smart. You, you know, you don't become a billionaire for, through being an idiot as a rule. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> there's the odd exception, um, but. Um, that the, there is very much a focus, um, as far as American investors are concerned, in making a financial return from what they see as part of the entertainment industry, and I think there is there is a culture clash between the the ethos of most American owners and the the ethos of what we have here and what we believe. Uh, to, you know, is, is the is football is broadly wrote based on romance and sporting merit and hope mm. um and, and we know that the reality is different but it's it's that that's what keeps us going um but what we could have now is, is pretty much a, you know we're more moving towards a critical mass of american ownership yeah. in the premier league and remember you only need 14 votes yep. to change the rules so uh you know what what's going to happen over the course of of the next few years i think i think will be uh I- intriguing um and I'm not sure as uh you know as you and I as two old south london legs uh we're going to be particularly happy with what we're going to see because it's it, it's it's not it's not going to be it's not going to be based on what's best for the fans I can assure you
1: well my prediction is Kieran, and this is again this is something we've spoken about in the past only as a theory, but as you say as each year goes by the theory becomes even more possible i think if there was a situation where fourteen American club owners decided that there would be no relegation from the Premier League, mm. I think I think crowds would go down by fifty percent overnight, if if not more. I think that would be, I think the demonstrations we saw against the Super League would be as nothing against demonstrations for that sort of change. But that, I mean that's a long way off, Kieran. But talking of being old and South London lags, this this news is exciting, Kieran, because the UK and Ireland are set to be the hosts of the twenty twenty eight european championships and when you get to be as old as we are kieran
0: there
1: aren't that many tournaments left yeah that's, that's the only the only thing i can think of about supporting a world cup every two years we might cram a few more in but to have, but potentially to have a euros uh, in the uk and ireland in 2028 would be would be fantastic
0: yes so so this was a story uh, it's a story from the mail um and um, you know, I, I I retweeted it, and, and uh, I, I did get some interesting feedback from some senior people in football to say mm. it's not quite as clear crystal cut as they're they're making it out to be. Uh, it, it does look that there were th- as if there were three potential hosts in twenty twenty eight, one of which was Russia. Which right. I think we can confidently say yep. is unlikely to get many votes. Uh, it'd be about as popular as the UK at Eurovision uh, <laughs> in in terms of getting votes. Um, secondly, there there is Turkey, um, and th- I think the issue from from a Turkish perspective is that as the 2028 tournament is likely to feature 32 teams, you're probably going to need 11 or 12 stadiums mm. uh, in in order to host all of the matches. Now that. Could involve quite a lot of uh, infrastructure costs uh, in terms of you know just Turkey's got some fantastic stadiums. As you get eleven or twelve, which mm. would be uh, suitable to to meet uh, UEFA's needs, I'm, I'm not so certain. Whereas if we if we look at the proposals for England, Scotland, you know, Northern Ireland, uh, the Republic, and Wales, um, they they they. They have those stadiums. I think Windsor Park might need some form of dispensation or uh, expansion because it only holds eighteen thousand. Yeah. I think they'll be willing to do that. Um, there's been talk about the likes of Murrayfield um, hosting a football match, which, which to me intuitively isn't isn't right. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, Scotland it's it's going to be Glasgow and Edinburgh. Um, so so Murrayfield would be the logical place in in. Uh, in 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 Scotland, um, and of course there's there's plenty of places uh, in England as well, which already you know the, the, you got to have a minimum capacity of thirty thousand, and and there's there's an awful lot of, of grounds there. So um, I, th- I think the 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 English FA, the Scottish FA, that you know with the partners in, in in Wales, Northern Ireland, the Republic, are in a, in a very strong position, and also from UEFA's. Point of view, the the 2020 championships were a financial disaster yeah. because it took place behind closed doors. Yeah, yeah. So they're looking to recoup. UEFA is looking to recoup as much money as possible with a couple of flagship tournaments. You know, and I, yeah, you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember. To get, you know, I went to to Austria, I went to Portugal, uh you know, where there we were Poland and Ukraine, not all that long ago. Yeah, and, you know, look at look at look, look what we're doing it now. um uh, England will sell, you know, England, Scotland, the, the 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 countries involved will will sell out every single match. So UEFA likes the idea of that. That's why they're delighted that the twenty twenty four tournament is taking place in in Germany because big country, big football culture, lots of money to be made. You know, I'll I'll certainly be across. I think a a price of football tour of Germany in twenty twenty four summer is uh, is something we we need to organise. Uh, and, and given our organisational skills, um, <laughs> we, we probably need to start thinking about it now. <laughs> okay, we're having enough trouble organising getting the dog to Wimbledon for two, for, for two weeks' time.
1: Let's not start talking about um, yeah, the, 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 the Turkey for me would be a good choice as well? Though I mean, it's a football. Yeah. It's a football mad country. It is, yeah. and it's a very. It's a very. I've not actually been unfortunately, but everybody I speak to tells me it's a wonderful place. To go, and also, oh, yeah, there, there does come a time when I think new countries need to have these mm, these yeah. tournaments, and uh, so I don't think any of us would mind. Obviously, I'd rather it was on my doorstep, but I don't think any of us would mind if it was in Turkey. Um, on a slightly more parochial level, Sheffield Wednesday, it turns out, are paying annual rent
0: of quite a lot of money for Hillsborough here, aren't they? Yes, um, th- this is this is. As always, involving Sheffield Wednesday and finances, it's 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 intriguing, fascinating, mm-hmm. and, and and complex, um, should we say? Um, so Sheffield Wednesday sold uh, Hillsborough to another company owned by Delphine Chancery, the the club owner, and booked a profit. Um, and when they did that, I think that was in 2018. Um, that was at the time within the financial fair play rules. Any profits from from. Uh, Sales of Stadia were allowed to be incorporated, and that allowed Wednesday to, uh, you know, in, in theory, satisfy the rules. Then there was an appeal by the EFL, uh, and Sheffield Wednesday had a uh, had a points deduction on on the back of that because they, I think they they tried to to backdate the sale into into an earlier year. Um, but there's a company called Sheffield Three who now appear to be the owners of Hillsborough um and it turns out that yes they've they've bought uh, the stadium for 60 million pounds in in theory about 4 years ago but they've not paid for it that oh. uh, they still owe 42 million pounds in instalments uh, and at the same time they're charging rent to Wednesday so you've got this this somewhat circular uh, arrangement in which um the owners of the stadium are paying money to the tenant who is then paying the owners back in the form of rent. Um, and I think this is just indicative of of how much a pickle we, we've got into with regards to financial fair play. Um, the, the sale of stadiums was prohibited. Then the rules were changed in 2016 by the Premier League. Um, the EFL decided at the time it was going to adopt the same rules of the Premier League. So, you know, my understanding from from talking to, to quite a few people, if I say, "Well, why do you let this through? This is this is nuts." It's said you know, we we just didn't check the small print enough. It, it was cock up rather than conspiracy, right. um, and 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 that's led to all of these issues with uh, with Wednesday, Derby, Villa, Reading, uh, Birmingham, you know, and, and others, and and quite a few of those clubs have ended up with with points deductions and sanctions and so on. So it it does show what a mess. We are in. Uh, I, I think you know. You've got to give credit to to Trevor Birch and and, and so on at the EFL. They are trying to improve things, uh, but it's uh, you know it it is a bit of it's a bit uh in terms of, of of dealing with the creative nature of some of these transactions. Mm. In my attempt to add a bit of mystery to that story, Kieran, I don't think we've actually
1: mentioned the figure that the annual rent is.
0: Ah yes, <laughs> yes, that was very good. Again. Yes, um yes. Yeah, they're paying two point eight million pounds, right. which which is quite a lot because that it's it's effectively the same as what West Ham are paying yeah. for the London Stadium, and yeah, you know, the London Stadium's got a capacity of uh, you know just over sixty thousand, and it's it's in London where you'd expect rentals to be a lot higher. So, either. Um, you know, Sheffield Wednesday are overpaying for the rent, and if they sold it for sixty million on on a yield basis, I've I've been watching Dion Dublin. <laughs> I, 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 you know, the, the, well, rather the, the Baroness has been watching Dion Dublin, uh, and she she's very good on yields on property. I go, why you why are you watching these programs about? People you'd never met buying houses. I I, I just don't get it myself. But oh, she says, you know, Dion and Yields. He's he's a bit of a genius. On Uh, Um, Yields is good at stairs. He's terrible
1: at. He's just (laughs) still constantly baffled by stairs. There's a staircase. What's that for? It's to get you from one floor to the other, Dion. Well, you you can't sell it to a Dalek, can you? No, that's so, true. Yeah, no, no might, so might Dalek, be... Daleks can go upstairs now, Kieran. it's the Oh, have they? Oh, Unf- they moved things? Uh, and moved on. Unfortunately, for a lot of B-list comedians, Daleks are now able to to go upstairs. <laughs> right. Um, it is a, a strange situation, Kieran. I mean, it, it reminds me of that wonderful Laurel and Hardy sketch. You, where's the money for the rent? Uh, is that the money you gave to me to give to her to give to him? Because mm. it's it's just like it, it's like you say. It, they're paying money back to themselves to pay the instalments. It's a very odd, it's a very odd situation, and that's a lot of rent. Um, we've got two big Everton stories, Kieran. Mm. Uh, three, if you count how bad they were against Spurs. Um, and first of all, Everton said now that they don't need a loan from the council anymore to build their new stadium. Why is that?
0: Uh, yeah, the, the council were going to give them a grant, and it's Everton have put out a uh, effectively a press release in the last forty-eight hours to say um, they I think they were looking to to get about thirty million pounds from the council, and, mm. and that's not going to go ahead now. Whether in relation to very recent events and uh, Everton's relationship with Alicia Usmanoff, you know, the council have decided that. It would be best that, that they they weren't seen to be uh, financially funding an organisation with with links. And, and Everton, you know, they, they've they've severed their links there as far yep. as they're concerned, yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with with um, And they said this took place in January and so on. But it, it does still beg the question as to where is the money going to come from to uh, to provide funding for the new stadium it's going to cost it's estimated in the region of, of half a billion pounds um and i think that was initial estimates since then you know steel prices have gone up uh, you know fuel prices have gone up yeah. labor costs have gone up yeah. uh farhad mashiri the owner has said he's going to put some money in but where's the rest of it going to come from because you know banks look at risk and you know, sort of tying into what you were saying with regards to Everton's performance uh yet yeah, they they have only won once away uh this season it, yeah. it, it was at the amex <laughs> where they absolutely steamrolled at us yeah. um, uh, and uh you know, they they're not in they're not in great shakes as far as their, their league position is concerned um, so it, it is a cause for concern. Um, if there's 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 a fourth story in relation to Everton in that uh, I think one of the newspapers is running uh, today today's Wednesday that that they are in potential breach of financial fair play. Um, if you take a look at their accounts for the last three years. They've lost two hundred and sixty million pounds. You're only allowed to lose a hundred and five for FFP. Now again, there's a little bit there's there's adjustments left, right, and centre, but they're they're going to be right at the very limit. Um, and we've not seen their accounts yet for 2021. So, um, I think people are starting to get uh, genuinely nervous. Would that involve a points deduction this season? Well, yeah, we're now into the second week of March. Uh, if they don't put their counts out for a few more weeks, you know, that will delay things. If the yeah, if the if the Premier League decided to, to charge them, I, I think they they just push back, you know, and, and try to knock knock this story down the road as much as possible to avoid any points deduction this season, because clearly it would be you know, it, it could be fairly critical from their perspective. Mm. Um, so 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 that's where we are with Everton uh, it, with regards to that stadium issue, and, and yeah, their finances weren't great to begin with. Um, and the, the, you know, the, the council not giving the money. I think the council has, has made a, a conscious decision. The, the council was um, did have, shall we say, some Everton influence uh, in terms of uh, people in high positions in the council historically, um, and, and they're no longer uh, perhaps in, in the same executive decision-making roles as before. It, it's interesting, Kieran, and worrying at the same time,
1: uh- it doesn't matter who you support. You can't deny that Everton are one of the great traditional teams in English football. Um, yep. a, a, a wonderful past. You know, we grew up in the seventies with players like you know Joe Royal. You know, then they had Linne- that that generation was a great Everton side. They've slipped away from Liverpool currently, but what, what worries me is we're seeing the same sort of mood mood music slowly building up, as we saw at Bury, at, at Wigan, at Derby, and this is by far the biggest club. We've we've talked about that are having issues like this. That that suddenly, you know, six or seven weeks ago, there was no Everton story at all, and then suddenly, there's a lot of little pebbles. Each week goes by, there's another little indication, and their sponsorship deal with Kazoo is going to end after this season. And I don't I don't know um, who's ending it, but if they do get relegated, I mean, that's going to affect next year's sponsorship
0: money massively, which isn't going to help either, is it? Absolutely correct. Uh, I think Kazoo deal is probably it's estimated to be worth in the region of eight to nine million. Um, you're you're going to get a tenth of that in in the championship, uh, wow. yeah, regardless of who the sponsor is, wow. so, because you're you're not you're not generating global eyeballs in in the way. Yeah. Everton will be the biggest fish uh, if if the worst happens in in the championship next season. Even so it it doesn't turn into to numbers of, of viewers uh no, in terms it, of the global audience that they have oh,
1: but I mean they'd be on every week, wouldn't they they'd be in the, the the sky championship game pretty much every week if they if they did go down, I'm not suggesting they will so does that would that not make the deal a bit more
0: attractive uh, a, a bit more, yes, but if, if you take a look at the um you know, everton everton coming to town will be a big issue, but I think you only get ten thousand pounds from in the tv deal if you're on right. the away team right. and, and you're okay. chosen for live broadcast um so yeah evertonians will be watching regardless because you know they, they support their team yeah it's just the same you know we, we've 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 both watched our teams when they've been a bit bobbins to put it mildly mm-hmm. but but that's an irrelevance yeah you know, because it's our team and you go to watch it. it it's trying to get big numbers in terms of tv audiences uh especially overseas uh where where, where there's lots of very lucrative uh you know commercial deals to be signed so Was this the Kazoo deal always going to end after this season? It, well, it, it could have been renewed. So it, it, there was a natural break. Um, normally, if you've got a good relationship uh, with, with sponsors, these things do get renewed. Um, and it could be that, uh, yeah, I think Kazoo is part of uh, a much broader uh, car organisation uh, and if it, it could go to another one of the arms of that, uh, in, in which case it won't be too much of an issue uh if not you know where does this leave everton i, th- I think the club have said historically uh, over the last year or so that they they don't particularly want to have connections with the gambling industry yeah. um which is to be encouraged you know i think uh, we, we've seen paul merson come out with with more comments today that yeah. he finds it difficult to watch football uh, because of this constant reminder yeah. of yeah. of gambling, yeah. and, and if you've if yeah. you've, you've got an addiction to that, it, it, it's uh, that that temptation. You know, it, it's it's a bit like the the drug dealer. Uh, you know, hanging outside your local pub, yeah. You know, saying, "Yeah, I've got, got some gear, got some gear, and you're trying to keep away from it. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I think it will be be challenging uh, for Everton, but you know, as you say, it's it's, it's a famous club. It's it, it's a it's a very historic club, and, and they've got that in their favour. Whether that works with sponsors, you're never sure because spon- many of the sponsors simply don't care about the club. They're just interested in what 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 viewing figures do you normally generate. Mm. I I don't know much about
1: the historic finances of Everton, Kieran, but it, it strikes me that for for many years, under the stewardship of Bill Kenwright, everyone knew that Everton weren't full of money, that Bill Kenwright, he wasn't a billionaire owner. They had to live within their means to an extent. But it seems to me, Kieran, that their problems have got far worse since they've been bought by somebody who apparently has got a lot of money. It's, it's yeah. only it's only yeah. in the last two years that they seem to be getting into such a pickle, Yet, and yet when he first came in, the new owner... It was with a, you know, fanfare of trumpets. It's going to be a new ground. We're going to get into the Champions
0: League, and it's just, things are just getting worse. It seems to me. Yeah, it, it's it's textbook Viv, Viv Nicholson, right. uh, in the sense that the the wage bill has doubled in the course of of five years, but the revenues haven't doubled. Uh, the club has spent over half a billion pounds on players. They, they've recruited. They recouped you know two hundred million of that back, but there's there's yeah the net spend over that period is far in excess, um, and Everton didn't used to spend money they didn't have because. They didn't have the capacity to do so. Yeah, Bill Kenwright ran ran a tight ship out of financial necessity, and and that's not a criticism of him. Uh, you know, he, he you know the industry in which he works. He yeah. he he's done well by by the standards of of you know, of, of the likes of you and me. Um, but he 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 was not in the same league as as the ultra high net worth individuals that that are now owning clubs, and and Farhad Mashiri has uh, has far more money behind him. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Bill Kenwright is involved in
1: musical theatre uh, and for those of you who aren't in their ahem, late fifties very very late fifties um, as in 60s. <laughs> Um Viv Nicholson I believe we mentioned before uh, she won the football pools back in the early sixties and when asked what she was going to do with the money so I'm going to spend 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 um, which she did she had a wonderful six months followed by a very miserable seven or eight years <laughs>
0: or you're an aspiring musician, manager, or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon.
1: Manchester uh, sorry, City Football Group, I'm getting ahead of myself here, so Man City fans know there's two Man City stories, but the first one is that City Football Group, which owns Manchester City, has published its latest accounts, and now I presume, Kieran, that the clubs in the group also publish separate accounts.
0: Yes, so uh, so this is you know, uh, the City Football Group own New York City, Melbourne City. Uh, there's a team in Mumbai. There's there's a team in Uruguay. Forty four percent of your owner. There's a Belgian team, and so on. Um, I think what what's intriguing, uh, and which what has caused the occasional eyebrow to to shift in a northerly direction, <laughs> is that when Manchester City published their accounts, they made a profit of ten million pounds for 2021, which mm-hmm. you know, very, you know, given we're operating in a in a closed down season, pretty impressive. Uh, City Football Group uh, has has lost seventy one million. Uh, the previous year, it it lost yeah you know, well over a hundred million, and it, yeah, it's racked up huge losses. And, and and what the cynics say, and as you know, I'm not a cynic, no, indeed. Um, uh is that is this because uh you know some of some of the costs are being parked elsewhere in the city football group and therefore they're not going through the accounts of manchester city um and therefore it's it's allowing uh you know a a bit of gaming of the system now there's no evidence to support such allegations um but uh you know it you you would have thought that the city football group's overall objective, especially as they've got some, uh, they do have some American investors uh, and they've got Chinese investors as well, is to uh, is is to make a uh, you know ultimately to make some form of profit. But
1: uh, I I get what you're saying, Kim. But you know, Man City are the the team making the money for City Football Group, aren't they? The, the team in Mumbai and the team in Melbourne aren't likely to be posting big profits.
0: Yeah, yeah, Not not posting big profits is one thing, but they must be posting some pretty big losses. Ah, um, yeah, okay. And you would have thought that they would have had a, a break-even model, given that uh, you know the, the Manchester City is very much the mothership, and and, and you know and let's, let's face it, the, the football they are playing, and, and we we've both been watching football for the same amount of time, <laughs> is 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 the closest thing to to, to ballet that um, I've ever seen uh, on on a football okay, pitch. You know, yeah. it is art. We're playing. Uh, we're playing them on Monday. So, <laughs> well, yeah, we
1: we've got them Saturday week, I think. So, yeah, yeah. not be really good. <laughs> but can, can, is it surely, Kieran? Clever people like you and Swiss Ramble, could you not compare the accounts of all the clubs in the City Group and see how they match up together against the the City Group's general accounts?
0: Yeah, yeah, and they they all they all do tie in. It just seems that. Uh, yeah, Manchester City gets an awful lot of the revenue right. uh, and oh, perhaps I, not quite I, the same big proportion of I, the costs. I, I see, I see. Uh, I sort of see. <laughs> um, and there's the
1: City story, the second one, which I should have given a spoiler alert earlier so they're actually <laughs> getting ahead of myself. The, the new crypto sponsor is offering a product that's banned to UK consumers.
0: Yes, um, this is uh, this is what's known as derivatives trading and um, it is an extremely highly risky investment approach um, and therefore it's been banned by by the UK regulators. Um, so yeah, City have have a crypto sponsor. This 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 uh, this story came up from from Joey Durso in the in the Athletic, and, and Joey is Joey is Mister Mister Crypto yeah. uh, Sherlock Holmes. He's he's always uh, going into this type of stuff, and and, and a fair play to him because it, it's not at the glamour end of uh, of journalism, but uh, but Joey really does get stuck in. Um, and, and yeah, for those people not familiar with derivatives, what what you're doing is is you're looking at things such as. Um, Estimating what the future price of a uh, of a cryptocurrency is going to be in three months' time, and then buying it at your estimated price, and, and if it's higher than that, you'll make money, and if it's lower than that, you'll lose money. But as we know, um, the value of cryptocurrencies is very volatile. Mm and and the concern with derivatives is that you only have to put down a small deposit now uh, on a, on a on a on a bet which effectively is going to crystallize in say a month or a three months time so so this sponsor says well yeah we, we don't target uk customers and uh yeah manchester city have fans elsewhere in the world where this product isn't banned but uh, it 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 doesn't look too good, and, and I think City have had a have a few own goals uh, in, in relation to some of their 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 collaborations with with partners in, in the last few months. And then, you know, for, for a club that normally conducts itself extremely well, I think they're being a bit a bit slapdash here. Mm. Um, you know, why why go chasing a few extra quid from a sponsor uh, without doing proper due diligence? Now,
1: interestingly, there's an element of gambling and risk in this next story, and I think this is a fascinating story because Wick and Wanderers are offering lifetime season tickets. Now, we've seen clubs in the past offer three-year, five-year season tickets, but this is a an interesting development on that, isn't it, Garen?
0: Yes. Um, uh, yeah, we we had Rob Cohig on the show yeah, yeah. a few months ago, and uh, yeah, Rob is very keen to. Uh, embrace uh, new method- methodologies, and and what what Wickham are effectively doing here is that they're they're giving people a it's a bit like gym membership or a bit like your Netflix subscription you you pay a monthly amount and it's not the same as a season ticket you know if if you or I let's say we 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 renew our season ticket for for – and then you know 3 months into the season for whatever reason you know, I, I can't pay it anymore or, or I, I just I, I want to terminate the relationship you know you've the the club yeah you know, and I you know, i i i can get offended and on my high horse about my club as, as much as anybody can so so something happens and and uh, you know instead of walking out the ground and say right well that's that was a right shower of rubbish i'm never going to watch them again which i say on quite a regular basis <laughs> this time i actually mean it yeah. um, but under those circumstances I would have signed a contract for the season ticket for the remainder of the season, and therefore I would have had to pay up through the direct debit scheme. And yeah, you know, we're quite good at Brighton. We you know, they got an interest free direct debit over I think sort of eight or nine months, which mm. which works quite well for people. But you'd still have to go and pay up for the remainder of the season. You know, you you might you might decide to emigrate. You might decide yeah. you know you, you might fall on health reasons. Doesn't, doesn't matter what it is. But what this deal appears to say is. Give us thirty days' notice, and and you're out. So you know, in exactly the same way as as you can cancel your your Netflix subscription, I think you have to go and put down a year's deposit to begin with, and, yeah. and then 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 you then you pay on on your your monthly basis going forward. So, um, it, it is trying to just get fans to. To tie into, you know, we we've we've got our you know our, our monthly phone contracts, we've got our Netflix and Amazon Prime contracts and BT and so on. To move on to that as 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 a means of uh, having the relationship with the club, as opposed to that conscious decision at the start of each season to renew the season ticket. But is it similar to, the, to those? I know Palace talked about
1: doing three year season tickets once, and we've talked about it early in the pod. Because the idea is that you you pay a price for a ticket uh, for three to five years, and you could be in the Premier League after those three years. So you're getting Premier League football for yep. Championship money. Is this a, is this a similar thing? Will this be a fixed monthly fee
0: or a fixed annual fee? I, I think it's it's a it's a monthly fee, and I think it, right. the aim is to you you just pay our, you pay over twelve months. So you're paying during the summer when there is no football. Right. You're paying in the winter when there is football, but by spreading it over 12 months and, and just having it as a rolling contract as opposed to a formal, do you want to renew or not? Uh, they're, they're just trying to sort of move football away from from our, our traditional relationship with the sport. Well, I think other clubs are going to have to be looking at that, Cue. And if you look
1: at – I mean, this is a big discussion amongst my friends. If you look at energy bills in particular, they've, they're mm. so huge now. Mm. I think there are going to be a lot of football fans at, at every level – who are going to have to be saying, I can either pay for a season ticket or I can pay you this month's gas and electric bill. Yeah, And I think clubs are going to have to be a bit more imaginative about how they they get fans into the ground. So I think Wickham have done very well. And another team that have done very well, Luton Town, are in the playoff mix in the championship, which is astonishing given the size of their budget. Uh, but they've revealed that their revenue fell by more than £2 million because of COVID. And given the, the budget they're operating on in the first place, that's a big loss.
0: Yes yes it is uh, and again you know we're we're, we're quite fond of Luton yeah, we, yeah. we've had Gary sweet on the show uh, you know G- Gary first of all he's a fan of Luton yeah, and it's always good when when it becomes very clear as soon as you start talking to somebody that the person is a fan of the club first and happens to be mm-hmm. you know in a position to to be uh, an owner uh, second um yeah you know Luton did did have a hit they've got one of the smallest budgets as far as uh, the the championship is concerned but still through having a strategy in terms of player recruitment they've got a good manager in Nathan Jones that they are up there at the top end of the table um and and it and it's, it proves that you don't have to gamble the house in order to get to the premier league and yeah you know, I, I, yeah you know, I don't like saying nice things about palace but, but palace did the same in you know in 2013 you know mm-hmm. they 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 were promoted but they Steve Parish didn't gamble with with the club's future mm. uh, in, in trying to get there. We've seen that with other clubs. Uh, yeah, Blackpool have managed it, Wigan have managed it, Huddersfield have managed it. So it can be done. Um, so so the constant narrative that we get from some club owners is that I had to go and put the you know, I had to go and effectively put everything on red on the roulette wheel. Um, and, and gamble with the club's future doesn't doesn't hold true. It's it's about spending money well rather than spending money full stop. And and what Luton have got, they've got they've got a fan base that buys into this. They're not going to be spending a lot of money as far as the the transfer market is concerned. But they still spend yeah you know, a few million as opposed to tens of millions. And, and on the back of that, they're they're doing extremely well. So, so fair play to them. I, I tell you what, Kieran, if Luton
1: do get promoted, there's going to be a few Arsenal fans and Chelsea fans and Man United fans having a massive culture shock when they get to Kenilworth Road.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Just trying to get into it, just trying to find, decide which house you have to go through to get into. <laughs> into. I was, the last time we were there, I think it was a League Cup game, it's just the most bizarre thing, we are all walking down a road and there's a, uh, a family of children waving at us, all dressed as Thunderbirds. Which was just, <laughs> it's just one of those Thunderbirds hadn't been on telly for twenty years, but there's always little kids dressed as Thunderbirds. It's one of those things you just you just shrug, wave back, and move on. It's um, but yeah, I'd I'd love to. Although there's still a part of me, older older fans still have a bit of a problem with uh, Luton because they were. Uh, well, the plastic pitch would start off, plus their chairman at the time was uh, Thatcher's right hand man when it came to introducing membership schemes for football fans, et cetera. But that's all in the past, Kieran, as indeed are most of our stories and
0: <laughs> uh, anecdotes. And
1: our, our final story today uh, Chelsea women's team lost 1.6 million despite recorded revenues of 5.3 million. Again, this is this COVID?
0: Um, I, I don't really think it is impacted significantly by COVID. And, and the reason why I say that is that if you take a look at women's football, there's not many clubs that produce detailed accounts. But Chelsea's, yeah, there, there was a reasonable amount of information there. Um uh, the The vast majority of the money in uh, in women's football as far as clubs publishing their twenty twenty one accounts is concerned is coming from commercial sponsorship arrangements and so on so they weren't bringing in a lot of money through the turnstiles to begin with, so therefore they didn't lose a huge amount uh, on on the back of covid um, but i think this this does indicate. Is um, a significant change at the elite level of, of women's football in the WSL in terms of, of player wages, and we're now seeing uh, clubs such as Chelsea and Manchester City's women's team also publish their accounts the the, the wages uh, of of the uh, the WSL teams and, and this isn't this isn't a criticism at all. Um, they're now higher than than most League Two clubs, and and they're in fact they're also higher than some uh, League One clubs as well. So. The, the WSL is attracting international talent. And if you want to attract the best talent in the world, you're going to have to go and pay accordingly. Um and the the way, you know, the, the costs are going up faster than the revenues. Mm. And if that is the case, then these clubs are going to be losing losing money. Um can can they can they cover those losses? Well ultimately they're being funded by you know where and who, um, so you know that that could mean in 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 the next few years, will there be the same level of expenditure on the women's team? That will come down to the culture of the new owners. Mm. As you know, Kieran, and as our listeners know, because uh, Guy's asked to
1: remind them every week recently, our first ever live Price of Football show is taking place at Plough Lane on the 24th of March. There is now officially one ticket left. So if you're quick, you can click on the the link. I think so, roughly one. It was three. Now it must be one now, surely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's worth worth doing it just uh, because I think it's the only way you'll be able to see a photograph of Kieran. On his way to the cup final in what year is it? 83? 83, yes. Yeah, it's and it's worth it's worth it's <laughs> worth seriously, it's worth a tenner just to see that photograph because we're not we're not putting it off on any social media. Um, <laughs> uh, and if you can't come along but you'd like to donate some money to us anyway, that would be very kind of you. You can do that by going to patreon.com slash price of football. If you have questions for our Monday questions pod, then please email them to questions at priceoffootball.com. Come and in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire
0: for his customary farewell. Well, as always, uh, uh, listeners, thank, thank you very much for all the support of the show. Um, we, we're genuinely excited at the prospect of getting uh, a chance to meet some of you, um, and uh, we're going to put on a damn good show. Uh, yeah. we, we are. We've uh, we, we've already had a planning meeting, and it's yeah, it's um, um, uh, it's almost as exciting as a jar of marmite. And, and can it <laughs> can it get possibly get better than that? Um, so, uh, if you want to support the show, Patreon is is one method. Um, another way, uh, and this this comes from producer guy, is is just to go to your uh, it's just to go to your apps which you use to download podcasts. And if you can give us a review, it helps. There's some sort of algorithm that if if you if you give us five stars, it helps us in the charts. And uh, I think it's fair to say we're we're punching above our weight for what is a you know a, a niche niche show in a niche niche area of the game um so so we do appreciate that and and, you, and you, you can write whatever you want um you don't you don't you can say uh, you can say you'd rather have the show presented by luther vandross and luther blissett <laughs> and and it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference to us as far as the ratings are concerned but it, it would it put a smile on our face and and and, I, and i'd listen to that i'd listen to that on a on a saturday evening yeah, i think the, the two two silky voices would would uh, uh would, would definitely uh, definitely impress the baroness as well
1: i like luther blissett I have no opinion on Luther Van Ross. I've never met him.
0: I don't think of him. Ever... Yeah, go on. I, I met Luther Brissett three weeks ago. Oh, uh, did you uh, at the Watford? Yeah, of course. Yeah, Vickery's yeah, Road. Yeah. And he, he was absolutely fantastic uh, an absolute credit to the club. And he was funny and engaging and clearly loves the game and Watford FC. You've got, you've uh, yeah, fantastic bloke. Absolutely fantastic bloke.
1: He's also very funny about the time uh, a while back now when an Italian anarchist group. Uh, adopted his name as their as their nom de plume. Um, well, <laughs> they called themselves the Luthablastic Group and went around causing mayhem in in Italy for a while, which he's I which he's very funny about. And you do realise, of course, Kieran, that now there will be many people turning up at Plough Lane with jars of Marmite for you.
0: <laughs> That's very well, kind of them, yeah. <laughs>
1: Actually, we we might add some add even more value to the to that to that live show, Kieran. Maybe we could do some a live demonstration of the cheese and Guinness soup.
0: I'll I'll see if I can get the, the baroness to, to make up a batch before we before we go. Um, and, and one one other thing, folks, you know, it's, uh, there's no, there's no dress code as such, you know, uh, But if if you want to wear want your shirts to uh, you know uh, to to show that we, we we represent the whole family of football, um, then then that would be great as well. Yes, of course it would. Yeah, and the,
1: the more obscure the shirt, the better. Absolutely, because we yes. we we're, we're, both, we're both a bugger for a kit. That's yes. that's what happens when you get to our age. It's football shirts and marmite that do it. That that start turning you. <laughs> bye, everybody.
0: Bye. football. I stand for